Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast, your source for discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join your host, I Love Kim Possible a Lot, or KP, and Lauren Kizich, the Abbey Roadie, for today's discussion. If you like what you hear, please remember to support by giving a like, a follow, as well as subscribing to the main I Love Kim Possible a Lot channel on YouTube. Spread the word and keep being a part of a great community. This episode is appropriate for all ages. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Animation Communication. Unless you're watching this in the future and you've been marathoning a lot and this week has been like a day or two. That's my that's my ice-breaking joke. Uh, okay, um, so I'm KP as usual and then Lauren's here as usual. Yep. Hi. Lauren, and, uh, say hi. <laughs> I said hi. Oh, okay. Did you not hear, hear you. me say hi? No, I didn't hear you. <laughs> Oh no, don't tell me our call's gotta be dropping out. Say Knock hi, like, awkward don't, noise. Don't do like, oh, Lauren was thinking of it in my no, I said hi. the whole time. I said hi. But anyway. <laughs> um uh, it this is uh, it's funny, this one's this episode today has been kind of like a long time coming. We've been trying to make sure that this uh, whole thing worked in a schedule for everybody. Uh so I'm glad it's able to finally happen today. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> so anyway uh i'd like to uh, briefly introduce our guest and i'll allow him to, to to introduce himself as well uh but today we have isaac aka watso videos uh why don't you do a little brief introduction for uh all of our new listeners or anybody who is not familiar with her work yet yeah absolutely uh my name is isaac carlson thank you so much for having me today um I'm a massive Disney animation movie and theme parks fan. Um, and specifically over the past five years, I've been making videos on YouTube about characters, full stories, theories around Disney movies and breaking down all of the different elements that get, get me really excited about watching those shows. It's, it's an extremely fun thing that I'm blessed to be able to do. Um, and, and one of the things that I grew up really enjoying was Kim Possible. So oh. that I um one of the one of our trips, I forgot where it was, but we had a VHS with three Kim Possible episodes on it. Um and that my brother and I would watch a lot. So <laughs> I've been enjoying animation, Kim Possible, um, and Disney for a very, very long time. <laughs> okay, well that's 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 good to hear. I'm glad we kind of got in the same we're on, we start off on the same page, yeah, because um, it's funny because people kind of forget that sometimes the username is related to that. So a lot of times, you know, people are like, what are some good shows to watch during um, quarantine? And I'm just like, uh, and, and, <laughs> like, can you read? So um, it's it's kind of fun. Or people will get into Kim Possible specifically because um, they're a fan of the channel or whatever, which is always um, good to hear. It, it, it makes my heart happy. So yeah, like um, we've been talking on and off for like probably six months or so between, you know, I think you thought, um, you know, I wasn't a real person for a little bit and then um, we finally <laughs> scheduled uh, this podcast. So I'm glad, um, you know, we finally did it and you're you're in the wrong, you're in the right place, not the wrong place. You're in the right place because uh, Laura <laughs> and I are both animators and um huge Disney nuts too so like we're the kind of I've, I think I've said this before but we're the kind of nerds that can pick out the voice actors they use in the parks 
and name them <laughs> by name and like talk about them in name and like all, all the other people are just like what what are they doing why why are they like why are they weird like this so you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah every every fandom you can go down lots of different roads um there's always there's always like more information that you can go down and that's fascinating i don't think i've heard of anyone that has that type of skill of being able to recognize the voice actors like that. That's super cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah um, takes... I'm surprised that Lauren, I mean, it's a cool party trick, I guess, but like Lauren and I share, <laughs> share that skill. We actually, uh, one of the conventions, we actually uh, met Jim Cummings in person. He's a really cool dude. So he did yeah. mm-hmm. for, for, um, for Lauren or something. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a thing that's happened. So um yeah, uh, if we and obviously if you have any questions about Kim Possible, you can ask me if they come up. So um, Lauren usually reads the questions and then um, we'll go from there. So Lauren, you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Uh, I guess where where to start would be uh, what inspired you to pursue creating theories and analysis for animated content, particularly. I mean, I think it's no surprise that Disney is so intriguing, so in depth in a lot of their stories and their lore but uh, at the same time it's like you know what inspired you in particular to pursue it sure so when i initially decided i wanted to start making youtube videos it was because i had seen other um like other really interesting little ideas that existed within star wars specifically and mm. there were there was like little things that were referenced, especially in like the prequels, um, that weren't really explored or explained in the movie. So then I wanted to go and explain that after I did the research and found the answer because I thought someone else might want to know the answer. And over the the weeks and months that I eventually um, went from posting pretty inconsistently here and there to eventually deciding um, in 2016 that I wanted to post once a week, um, I started to see that people were really resonating with the Walt Disney animation theories and ideas and breakdowns that I was doing, which was great because to me, Star Wars and Disney were things that I really cared about growing up as well as Marvel. So it was kind of cool to have them all eventually come under one company. But once those videos started to take off, then I really started to focus more into animation. And I had seen over time through other channels like Super Carlin Brothers and others that were doing breakdowns of Star Wars that there was lots of people talking about breakdowns of comics um, and other other mediums. Some Some people going deep into different segments of animation like Pixar specifically with the rise of the Pixar theory. But I felt like I really wanted to explore Walt Disney animation as a fan of the parks where a lot of the IP that I grew up with in the parks was based around the Lion King, Aladdin, the Little Mermaid. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to explore that. And that's kind of what um, I've focused on over the, the past few years is breaking down and examining these iconic uh, feature films. No, it's fantastic. It, uh, it's, I, there's so much that goes into the development of all the stories and all the little details. And yeah, I, I, it's just like the, the other day I was revisiting your uh, Lilo and Stitch series. Uh, it's like, it's so 
you know, it is fascinating to like think about, you know, character backstories and what isn't told directly, but is kind of shown in little bits and pieces here and there. And, you know, being able to gauge, you know, what happened to this character in the past that led to this. And especially with like Nani's backstory and, and, uh, and Myrtle, why is she so mean and stuff like that? Uh, I, it's, it's all really interesting stuff. Cause that's, again, it's, it's, it's kind of like, a the kind of stuff that if you have a, a animation friends in a group, it's all kind of like you have that spur of the moment. Hey, why do you think that character did that in that movie? And then you go, I don't know, maybe it was this. And you start, to, you know, start going down the rabbit hole of possibilities from that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, there's certain times where answers to questions are buried within the story or in external media like in comics or a series or something like that Mm -hmm. and i feel like it's just i think it's so fun to piece together everything that exists in the world and try to infuse um the real world into the animated world to try to piece together what was happening and what was going on to try to make sense of it and to have more clarity and to show that the thought process that went into it because there's certain films that I really think are, are are really beautiful and and have a lot of depth to them. Like especially Lilo and Stitch, I think is a great example of it, where the story is so rich, even though it was technically made on a budget. It's you mm-hmm. know it stands it stands on its own in a really unique way, um, and I think I think it still is is unique in the way that it depicts like sisters and relationships and depicting family and i love being able to have the chance to take a topic and be able to explore those um human ideas through animation Mm -hmm. yeah and i think i'll just add my my two cents in here i think that seems to be the changing um like you know disney specifically but other companies are picking up that people really want that natural um exploration of lore and, you know, especially with all the streaming services where they can just pick an IP that people like and kind of delve into it in its own, like, series with a, not as a lot of, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, physical consequences, uh, physical with an F, not a, not a PH. But, um, you know, um, and I think that's really interesting. But at the same time, it seems like quality is kind of hit or miss depending on the teams that are in charge of specific things. Like, um, for instance, we talk about, Lauren and I talk a lot about the Lion Guard and how the Lion Guard is kind of, kind of eh, um, in comparison to the original film. Um, and, you know, I wish, like, you know, Disney, for instance, had a similar kind of Star Warsy feel where everything is, everyone's talking to each other and seeing how they fit into canon. So it's interesting to see how uh, the medium is kind of developing with the rise of more accessible uh, media and, you know, huge chunks of it too. So. Yeah. And if I may, if I may uh, particularly excited, because this technically ties in to your, to your interest. I'm sure you probably already know about it is the, is Disney plus uh, uh, going to have all that, new content that weaves into the society of explorers and adventurers lore from the parks because they're going to have that whole magic kingdom cinematic universe that they're going to plan out so um i think jungle book might even be tied into that as a start or not jungle book uh, jungle cruise sorry (laughs) but uh it was uh 
but there is that po- possibility of them uh, further branching out into uh, more Disney lore and how everything is connected, even in the parks. It's kind of like Kingdom Capers. Anybody remember that book series? I read it. It was weird. <laughs> I liked it. I, I read most of the books up until I think I'm halfway through like the final original book. But I really enjoyed mm-hmm. those growing up. <laughs> yeah, I they, it was a novel concept. Oh, <laughs> I just punned myself. Ah! Uh, <laughs> but it was a. Uh, I remember in high school reading the, reading the first King, Kingdom Keepers. I think it came out of like a friend's recommendation that I that I was able to start reading it. So it was like, oh, we borrow it from me. You can give it a try. And I'm like, oh my god, this is so cool. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, so it's almost like that, as if they could possibly. I remember they were in a while talking about potentially adapting Kingdom Keepers into a movie series, but that never came to never came to be. It would mm-hmm. have been great though, but I guess the 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 Magic Kingdom cinematic universe is the replacement for that. <laughs> yeah, which I think is really interesting. I think it's a very cool idea to adapt a lot of the park's lore into something that can be watched and enjoyed because there's a lot of interesting ideas that exist in the parks that lots of people can't enjoy because they you know it because the barrier to go to the parks is so much higher with Mm -hmm. walt disney animation it's very interesting because it seems like the walt disney animation canon is put up on a pedestal but there's not a lot of work that goes into expanding the films after they're created, it doesn't seem like there's Mm. a continuity there because Mm -hmm. they just have teams turning, like going to the next project constantly. Um, Where in star, like in Lucasfilm, it's, there's a, you know, there's more of a continuity between everyone because it's, they mainly focus on one universe. And that's similarly to Marvel as well. Um, mm-hmm. Marvel Studios, but Walt Disney Animation is not very focused, especially with um, them sometimes giving or historically giving the extension to their films to Disney Television Animation or Disney Toon Studios. There's there's definitely a discrepancy creatively between those two, um, and and I think that's that can be good or bad because there's times where shows like Tangled the series pops up and is able to just go wild uh, with the story mm-hmm. and do something really incredible. But sometimes, yeah, if there's not the creative team that's built up that, you know, is able to use elements from the original or is restricted by the, the concept that's being pitched or desired, it can really, you know, rein in the, the ways that the characters and the world can continue to expand. Um, mm-hmm. But Hopefully, hopefully with Disney Plus, we'll get to see um, some great stories come together uh, that do justice to the canon that they're referencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, it, and, and that seems to be like a thing depending on the market. Like when we had their directed DVD sequels, it wasn't so much about you know, the quality of the story. I mean, sometimes we got exceptions, um, you know, like mm-hmm. I really love Bambi 2, even though it's not as mentioned as much as Cinderella 3 and stuff like that. But um, sometimes we got exceptions, but it was, it seemed like it, they were solely about making like some type of cohesive story with the pitched um, like assets of the original, if that's what you mm-hmm. want to call it, and not really, 
you know, and just getting it out there, and it's there, and not really thinking of the aftermath of, like, well, people seem to like this, but, you know, was this the best move, you know, long term? And that seems to have been a no, you know, from what I can tell. So, um, you know, um, and now that we ha- now that we have Disney Plus, it just seems like there's going to be a higher tier of making cohesive content because people can just watch one after the other after the other. And those noticeable things that are like lacking um, in comparison are going to be much more noticeable now to the general public and not just like creeps like us who just watch Disney movies all the time and don't have any friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I I think one weird thing about the whole idea of sequels and spinoff shows and everything like that too, is that oftentimes it really isn't supported very much by the marketing teams and the original animation studio themselves and the parks like those it feels like they're created and then they're completely in isolation and are never really referenced much after that the lion Mm -hmm. guard did include elements from the lion king 2 so it felt like it was part of the world even if there was um some interesting inclusions of lore or extrapolations from the magic that was originally put Mm -hmm. in the Lion King. It took a lot of liberties in that respect, but it still felt like it was respecting to me, at least the world that was established in the first and second movie and tried to do some interesting things with it within Mm -hmm. the boundaries of a Disney junior show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And yeah, like for, for Lion Guard, I personally like. I personally enjoyed the ride. I, I, after a while, it was just kind of like you kind of give up on trying to <laughs> have like go. Wait, what about this? How does this messes up the timeline of Lord? You know what? You know this is kind of like a separate canon in a way. So I'm like, it's like I, I kind of just I'm, I don't want to think too hard about some of some of the moments. Uh, but otherwise, it's like some of the other ones did kind of tie into it pretty well. Um, and I do understand they were trying to do something entirely different with something that was uh, already, uh, already established. Um, especially with like weaving in, uh, especially with like weaving in a magic aspect. Um, I do like where this third season went. I wish they could have gone more, but, uh, I'm glad that they did what they did with season three because they were willing to go on the darker route. They were willing to show the kids aged up and, you know, freaking angsty Kion, uh, <laughs> teen angst, teen angst. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, yeah, there's a, a lot of things again that, you know, if you're a hardcore Lion King fan and have paid attention to a lot of that stuff in the past and even have, uh, it, it's funny. I, I had to go to when I remember years ago, I visited, uh, uh, Disney TV animation and, and by, uh, adjacent Disney Toon Studios uh, when I was in college and I remember asking about the I was asking about Copa about the the the, how he tied into the lore and they're like oh yeah those were like those weren't like officially like licensed books so they're not canon I'm like what (laughs) so Copa doesn't exist nope but Kion does yep That seems suspicious. Like my 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 whole thing is just like just tie it all together, man. Like people remember that, but anyway. 
We're a little off topic. I would have. I think it would have been cool to see them try to tie in, even if they weren't officially canon. It would have been nice to see little homages to those books that they originally had the six, the Lion King six adventures. But you know, yeah, it that's that's one really, really kind of disappointing thing about the canon after it's created is that it doesn't feel like the story overall is respected long-term that there isn't thought about continuity. And while, you know, it's kind of a a recent idea of establishing canon that can be referenced for years and years to come, you know, it it was something that has, you know, has been a slow buildup. And I think, I think that animation is becoming, especially in Western animation is slowly getting to the point where it's being respected more by the companies that make them. So mm-hmm. hopefully hopefully things like introducing characters like Copa won't happen in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here's Plus, here's yeah. hoping. <laughs> And I like, again, it's not really so much spoiler territory as it is part of Lion King canon, obviously. But for them to approach in a Disney Junior show was uh, the the aspect of death and allowing somebody to and and watching somebody pass on in the show. It was like, I remember the the episode when it came up and had a disclaimer saying, you know, that's what was really chilling to me was seeing a disclaimer before a Disney Junior episode. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Going like, this talks about death. This talks about people passing on. So watch with your kids if you feel like they're not going to be, if you if you need to have things explained or if they're going to be too scary to just sit with them and, and try to have, try to, you know, help them understand and that it's, it's a natural thing. So it's like, I'm like, wow. I don't think I'd seen other, any, other Disney Channel shows or Disney Junior shows in particular try to do that because no other show has that as part of their, uh, at least in Disney Junior, no other show has that as part of their lore and as part of their their world that death is a thing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I like, <laughs> I thought it was so super cool to see something like that take place. The idea, of, yeah, seeing a warning like that was that was wild. I. I really respected where the season three went, as as you mentioned. I thought it was mm-hmm. a very cool adventure, and it definitely had the the most number of episodes that I didn't just reference or wanted to see parts of that I like really watched all the way through. It felt mm-hmm. much more mature uh, towards mm-hmm. the end of the show, and it it's cool that it got to kind of grow with the audience which i think Mm -hmm. is done really well in star wars shows like the clone wars and star wars rebels Mm -hmm. that the show gets more intense and more mature and attempts to tackle deeper themes as the show progresses and i think the lion guard did a good job of doing that and i don't necessarily know if i've seen something similar out of disney jr like that before so i yeah i think it was it was very cool to see Oh, yeah. I mean, especially when they were already touching upon aspects of, you know, uh, you know, souls coming back in a way is I mean, yeah, of course, Mufasa comes back in from the clouds. But then they also touch upon freaking Lava Scar. <laughs> lava Scar. <laughs> lava scar. Uh, but, um, but I mean, so I mean, that's already pretty much foreshadowing to 
uh, at least in a Disney Junior show aspect of like, okay, well, yeah, they're gone. Like, they're dead, but those are their souls coming back to talk to, to mm-hmm. their respective parties uh, in, in, in supernatural ways. So it's like, okay, when season three rolls around, uh, it's getting into more mature tones and the kids are aged up into more like preteen, teenager, I want to say teenager, um, and, uh, and they're already addressing some more adult uh, adult aspects and it was about time that they did that and I think they did it very tastefully and appropriately and even I was kind of like choking up at <laughs> choking up at the scene I'm like oh it's, it's funny because when you're binge watching episodes too it's it's hard you have to let things sit with especially with episodes like for Lion Guard uh you have to let you know so that you kind of know this character for a little bit before they die. <laughs> um, but even I was still tearing up on it because it was just how it was handled. It was it was incredible. But anyway, sorry, a little off the topic. It's but like it's Welcome to the Lion Guard the... podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna ask though, I guess on a relative tangent, what have been some of your favorite theory series that you have worked on? I think some of the standouts for me are definitely my tangled the series and tangled episodes Mm. as well as Lilo and stitch. Um, I really loved Lilo and stitch. Like that was the first uh, movie I remember seeing in theaters and I really enjoyed Mm. the series. So it was really cool to be able to look at all of the lore all encompassing and see how it worked together and tangled the series was just such a, a wonderful show that it was super fun to be able to talk to other fans that were getting excited about it. Um, I think, I think tangled right now I've talked about the most on my channel with, (laughs) with the lion King actually being second. So Mm. all, all three of those were a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. We had Chris Sonnenberg on uh, as one of our early guests on the podcast. (laughs) So, and I, and, uh, and I, Think going through your channel, I believe you you also talked with him too on your podcast. So it's nice to have that little little link, tangled link between us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris Sonnenberg was really cool to be able to pick his brain and hear about his thought process with the thought process with the show and seeing how he built up the characters. Yeah, tangled mm-hmm. tangled has risen as one of my favorite worlds. Uh, Rapunzel is now one of my favorite princesses really because of Tangled the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I like, I was watching words are hard. I'm going to try to word this correctly. I think the, the arcs of Tangled the series are kind of the future. If, um, you know, of Disney kind of making um, lore that is adding on to the original, like, because, from my understanding, like when Chris was developing the show, he had a he had a good amount of freedom, like at least starting out, um, as far as like you know giving all of these these characters um, themes and adding Cassandra, which I think was a really good, um, interesting um, intro to the lore, as well as um, I think also my favorite thing is fleshing out uh, Rapunzel's parents because we all mm-hmm. we get a lot of implied emotion with them. They don't have any speaking lines in the movie um for those who don't remember. They just have, you know, emotional beats and like, you know, sad looks and things like that. So, um 
but we already know a lot about them just just from the events of the first movie as far as you know like frederick kind of mourning you know and trying to save his wife and doing basically whatever he needs to do and that having consequences so um like you know i think that's what series should do is they have you know kind of you know this basis of these characters without really having them a lot in the source material but you know having whole episodes where two characters who maybe didn't spend a lot of time in the original show or just kind of exist in the same world kind of loop over and interact with each other I think is really interesting and it's really a good um you know fleshing out of the of the those characters specifically because they can kind of exist with these very polar opposites um of each other and interact with them I don't know kind of mm-hmm. just rambling but no also I... able to do it through song I mean yeah. they... <laughs> We were able to bring back bring back Alan Menken for the song, so that was yeah, like, that was that was legendary. That was a, yeah, yeah. that was like a macho move right there to bring him back. <laughs> yeah, that I think I think the music is one of the things that, and and all the original voice actors, and mm-hmm. you know having Chris who worked in Walt Disney Animation Studios, and you know bringing references and ideas that were initially established in the development of the movie, bringing all of that together really gave it something um, that was really powerful. Like the idea of Chris, you know, setting up the overarching arc and the key tentpole moments for the series before it was greenlit, I think was just such a good idea. They definitely took the story into new directions as things got developed, but the, the biggest moments that were the most shocking and the most impactful were always going to happen. And I think that's something that's definitely not done enough or appreciated enough um, mm-hmm. because executing on a vision like that allows the story to just be driven um, so much more. And truly, the way that Tangled the Series was set up, developed, and like brought together with the, the big, especially hour-long musical episodes is... The reason that Tangled the Series is one of my favorite things that has been released by any division of Disney or any any studio in recent years, it mm-hmm. just it just really took the fairy tale story and did some very interesting things with it in a different format with a series. And it just mm-hmm. allowed audiences to connect with the characters in a much deeper way than they ever could have and i hope they continue to capitalize that and bring together um leaders who have a vision for these characters and respect them and want to create good stories um i hope it's not just uh just coming up with a a few ideas and putting something down and not really thinking about the ramifications of what the characters are doing or what they're thinking like i think that's something that has been weird with some of the sequels that have come out recently by Disney is that it feels like the characters are either going through a very similar thing to what they did in the original movie, or mm-hmm. they're not doing something um, that feels within character and tangled the series. It felt like the characters were just continuing on their adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially where it takes place in the storyline it makes complete sense and it, and actually it's a decent window of time to focus on between 
the ending of of the first movie and then the big and then pretty much the uh, uh tangled ever after the the wedding sh- short so yeah. it's like i mean that's a huge window of time to work with and um allows that uh allows that flexibility uh for for being able to play with all the ideas that they wanted to do for those characters and it's like to your point it's like they had all these ideas pretty much in their head already and were already drafted out and they were like now we can finally kind of use them so um yeah it's it's really cool especially when you had arcs for each individual character and and cassandra is like one of those you know deeply impactful characters and i'm glad that she was a part of it and i'm glad that she was a part of it in such a it's such a dramatic way uh that and plus also she when she's played by uh uh <laughs> when she's played by uh oh god it, it sucks when i'm trying to remember her name <laughs> yeah um, eden espinosa yeah eden espinosa that's right mm-hmm. because i was like um because I, I, it's funny, years ago, I remember seeing her actually perform at a church service. It was, it was kind of like a small world thing. She was just singing there. And I guess it was, she had just, I think she was, she had just been Alphaba on, uh, one of the Alphabas for Broadway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so she had just like, so I guess she was just on break and she sang at a church service. But anyway, <laughs> but it was cool to see her being involved in, and plus bringing that energy and that, that kind of the, that similar pained, uh, you know, dramatic backstory and existence to that that kind of energy to Cassandra, especially with how how much trauma she had been repressing from her childhood and not even realizing it. It's <laughs> so yeah, the show went there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um... I don't really have anything to add. I, I, I like Tangle too. <laughs> yeah, it. I, I was going to say, because I know that there's a lot to go into, especially with a show like that. Uh, what were some of your most difficult or most complex theories to kind of thread together, or maybe the most difficult properties to work with? Um, Just overall or specifically like in Tangled? Uh, I guess overall, because it, 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 I am curious to see, because I know you're very passionate about Tangled and very passionate about Lion King and very passionate about, about these particular properties. It's like kind of like, but at the same time, it doesn't mean it wasn't hard to like thread something together for one of those. So was it one of those mm-hmm. or was there a, another property? Maybe even because I know you've branched into non-Disney stuff as well. Was there any one of those that was the most difficult? The two that really come to mind are... Early on in the Lion Guard and Entangled the series, mm. both introduced characters that we knew for sure would not be seen later on, but ha- mm-hmm. were still in existence. So making my theory about what was going to happen to Kion and then where Cassandra would end up during Rapunzel's wedding were ideas that I what I had no clue how I was going to necessarily approach them took a you know took some time to do some research like especially in the case of like the lion guard and trying to figure out what makes the character of cassandra who she is and trying to figure out how those two characters could exist in the in the next step of their stories since 
they're both wedged between two points that we already aware of. Um, in the case of Kion, I thought that it was going to be something about him having to leave the pride lands. Like I didn't think he was going to die or anything like that. Um, but, and that kind of came true that he had to go to the tree of life. And then with Cassandra, I thought she was going to become the captain of the guards. Like she had always wanted. And then would mm-hmm. be watching over her best friend on her wedding day. That was where I was thought it was going to go. But of course that was before um, Cassandra began to go dark. And that, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that's a another theory as well. That was an interesting one that I remember dealing with. Um, but towards the end of season two of Tangled the Series, there's this warning that someone is going to betray Rapunzel. And I was... I thought it was Cassandra from looking at everything that had existed. But in that Mm -hmm. theory, like I proposed that idea, but I didn't really want to believe it. (laughs) So even, even when things weren't necessarily lined up in her favor, I was like, it still could be, um, it could still be the, the mysterious warrior from the dark kingdom. Um, like there was, there was some allusions to that, which put a little bit of doubt in my mind, but of course, it it ended up being Cassandra. In yeah. The end. No, that's not true. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it was gripping. That's that's one of the most memorable television moments that I think I've really ever experienced is seeing Cassandra grab the moonstone and then just being forced to wait <laughs> until something until season three finally began. It was it was quite the cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it, yeah with with both shows, it's really interesting to see where they all, all took their ideas and yeah, again trying to fit it into where this char- well if they were trying to weave in these characters as part of canon, where were they after you know like if we're trying to sandwich these in between this and that or have it be a, a solid continuation, where are they going? Uh, I think I think they handled both in the way that I figured. I'm like okay. Well, if it's Kion's destiny to be a leader, it's not going to happen in the Pride Lands because uh, he does have the qualities to be one. But So I guess it's going to have to happen outside of it. And plus, you never... It's its implied you, you don't see him again after... You know, even even then, it's like Lion King 2. They tried to like uh, explain his, his, uh, dis, his, uh, his absence. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny that they're like, you know, oh, you know, run to the Pride Lands. You know, Zero's attacking the Pride Lands. And they're like, okay... Go to cross frickin' Pangea to go there. <laughs> and then they get there. Oh, yeah, she's she's dead now. Like, oh. <laughs> like, I just thought it was kind of funny, like, expecting him to cross all the, all the land that they had traveled. You know, they're, they're looking for these different, uh, uh, the, the Moja Komoja stones for these, uh, for the, you know, to find the tree of life. And they're like, okay, you got time to bypass all that, cut straight forward through back to the Pride Lands. And it's like, you realize you had to cross like multiple continents or something, right? To, to get here. <laughs> yep. Yep. Both shows eventually found a, a quick loophole of how to travel quickly, even though it took a, took a very long time to travel initially with the mastering the roar of the elders and then eventually getting Rapunzel a hot air balloon to be able to cross the whole whole world again. Mm-hmm. I, I, 
Uh, I personally I mean, would love to see what they do with Vitani because I mean, when they dubbed her as leader of the new Leiden Guard, I'm like, oh hell yeah! Why, why don't we play with this? And then it's like, oh, it's just for the finale. <laughs> My dreams yeah. are crushed. Well, the thing is, she had all the leader qualities just like Hyan did, too. It's just her, it, it, the only difference was that they, they had different upbringings. But at the same time, from her clan, from the outsiders, she had to become a leader in herself, uh, especially after losing Zira. But it showed how strong she was as, as one of, not only as her daughter, but as, uh, you know, as somebody who redeemed herself at the end. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, she can actually be a pretty solid leader. It, it, even if she is like a little rough around the edges, she still has those qualities. So, and she's worthy enough to be leader of the Lion Guard, apparently. So, I mean, yeah, why not play with that? Yeah, I, that was, I mean, bringing in like Vitani in the final moments of the show, I think just really showed how smart the Lion Guard got especially in season three of tying everything together and mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not as up on the the history of the creation of the show but i really liked how moments like that could be compared of comparing Kayan to vitani and seeing how zira made an impact in her kids lives and how that differed from simba and his kids and there's there's a mm-hmm. lot of cool moments like that um exploring what happened to the hyenas after the original lion king um Mm -hmm. and and seeing like a lot of different locations like the outlands more and acknowledging how the leadership of the lions interacted with their subjects there was a lot of cool ideas that got the chance to be explored do i think that those ideas could have been explored in an even more dramatic and impactful way if it would have been geared more towards general audience instead of a younger audience. I do think that, <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, of course I, I was, I was pleased with the limitations the show was under. Mm-hmm. And considering this is all spawned from back when the, when you think about it, the, when the Lion King itself was deemed the, the inferior movie project to work on at disney going like oh pocahontas is gonna lead us into the future and then lion king is just a kids movie (laughs) 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 so it's just uh it's just yeah like from from the moment that that movie came out and mufasa freaking dying on screen i i think it's it was already established you could go a way more mature route with it if you were to make a series out of it It's Mm -hmm. just like, because it has those Shakespearean dramatic pieces. I say that deliberately, obviously, uh, because of the whole Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet parallels that we get in those movies. But um, but because they have those aspects in them, you could very easily delve into, you could do more of what season three did, but for like an entire series Mm -hmm. and have it get progressively darker. But the unfortunate thing is it was immediately put in as uh as a disney junior show that had to begin with the audience being really young that's the target audience but that again the smart thing they did was grow with the audience and have the characters grow with it and have the 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 mature things come in later uh i think it just sucks that we only got one season of that (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how Disney animation goes about telling these stories because they are now going to be in charge of the series themselves, or at least Moana and Tiana to start out with. It'll Mm -hmm. be interesting to see what shows they'll create based off of series that they've already done spinoffs for or created shows like The Little Mermaid. It feels like The Little Mermaid (laughs) should be explored a lot more there's a lot of cool you know locations and ideas and the idea of being in the ocean is like it's just such a captivating world and ariel's a captivating character but she's already had a series she already has had two spin-off movies i've got a feeling that will mainly see shows based off of franchises that have been successful in recent years especially mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. start but hopefully hopefully over time um some more of the legacy material will get a chance to shine too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, That's why I really was excited when they announced for Moana and for Tiana to both have their own series. Um, Especially when you think about like, it'll be interesting to see where they go with Tiana's because I, first of all, she, I just think she needed more attention anyway. So I'm like, I'm open to whatever they decide to do for her series. Uh, with Moana, it's already a seafaring adventure, you know, movie yeah, that you she have a came lot. out of. So you have a, and, and plus you have a Maori culture and you have their, you know, their legends and their myths and their creatures and their gods. And it's like, you have all of this to play with that, uh, that you can't fit into one movie. It's perfect for a series, ideal even. So, uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about both series, but yeah, especially because I both love I love both Moana and Tiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you there too. I I love both of them. I'm excited to see what it's going to be like when the shows start to air. I'm excited for more Tamatoa memes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Shay Frillis will be happy to have more crab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't ask for a lot in this world. But yeah, I'm I'm with you guys there because you know there's a lot of um, movies in general um, in the canon that are getting more of a shine because of the 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 general access of Disney Plus. Like you know I've just been seeing um, I've mentioned this before, but I've seen been seeing a little bit more Black Cauldron stuff here and there, like in the in the mobile apps and um, you know just how they they advertise it. So I am kind of curious how. The streaming platform will kind of reinvent some of those things that, you know, the the company was like, oh, now we have to deal with this. But now, you know, it might get a different approach, I guess, comparatively to what it got before. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, I know that uh, with with all the Disney properties that get all this uh, coverage and attention, uh, what are some maybe, because uh, I know you, you've delved into di- uh, to DreamWorks lore in particular, you've delved into Shrek and Kung Fu Panda and, and those kinds of uh, theories. Uh, what are some other content you might consider outside of Disney that you might develop theories for? Hmm. There was, there was a point where I was kind of interested in diving into some aspects of SpongeBob SquarePants. Um mm. I like I was really captivated by like the the family tree of SpongeBob. I started doing some research about him, but then I found out that like 
Nickelodeon has done a really good job of making kind of like lore YouTube specific videos that like mm. go into the family tree of all those characters. And they even, they even started doing what seems to be like theories. It's very cool. Um, so, so it feels like certain markets like that and like avatar, the last airbender too. the, the social media team behind them are like doing all of like the full story types of videos for their characters. It's really cool. Um, so I, I considered Nickelodeon, but that seems to be a a pretty um, like worked through niche. At least a lot of the surface um, ideas that I had seem to be covered uh, by them a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested in things like Star Wars and Marvel as well, and I've dabbled with that throughout uh, the years. Um, I guess one thing that I'm interested in. Uh, is to watch the Hotel Transylvania series. I haven't seen that mm-hmm. all the way through, um, or pr- really, really any of it yet. I've just kind of been a- aware of it, um, t- but to tap into that, I think, could be fun um, if the stories are something that really intrigues me. It, it mainly comes down to suddenly um, watching these shows or series or experiencing something that feels... Like there's there's something there that I want to talk about that gets me really excited. For, I think the first uh, DreamWorks theory I did was about Shrek, which Shrek is mm-hmm. definitely one of, if not the largest DreamWorks franchise. And then after that, I got really into How to Train Your Dragon, and when those when those properties pop up that are really impactful and um, really resonate with me, that's what draws me to them and um, lets me or drives me to branch out more. Um, I can't, I'm not necessarily sure if there's anything else that I'm like thinking of soon that I want to branch into, but yeah, it's just kind of um, keeping my thing, like finger on the, the heartbeat of the entertainment and animation world and seeing what, what gets me excited. Um, there's, there's even times like that within Disney though. Uh, with with shows like DuckTales um, is that I, you know, I, I released one video because I was enjoying the show. And then once that video gets, you know, some traction and people seem to be excited about it, that just gets me more excited to dive into the world more because I know that people want to see more videos about that. So mm-hmm. it's often a feedback loop is that if if you try something different or you talk about a franchise and it really starts to, to click with people, that's, that always gets me um, really excited and confident to dive into it more. Mm. No, definitely. Yeah. And uh, considering DuckTales is, I think it, it's going to end like in March, right? Isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's ending like a series soon. finale in March. Uh-huh. Jeez, geez, it's so sad. But, um, but yeah, they, I mean, they really went, all out and trying to like flesh out i mean they took again the the foundation and ran with it uh and then also tied it back into comics and all of that stuff uh for for ducktales which was i think is fantastic and and also tying that into darkwing duck into the darkwing duck universe uh basically making one giant saturday after the, the disney afternoon uh universe um 
which I know they're trying to trying to make a thing too because I think they're bring because they're bringing back Chip, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers and all that stuff. Uh, makes me wonder if Tailspin's on there. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, that, that's a whole other thing right there that could be done if if they make more content for it. Be that whole uh, Disney Afternoon universe. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know they had a Tailspin character appear in one of the episodes. Um, yeah, yeah, they, Don Carnage. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It would be cool uh, if they actually like go through with it. <laughs> yeah, cool. it's it's interesting too because you know over the last few years, I feel like the Ducktales fans have like latched on to this world and the way it connects and everything like that. But even though Darkwing Duck is feels fully established and is you know able to kick some butt within um, Duckburg. It also, there's been some rumors that there's going to be a Darkwing Duck show developed for Disney Plus. And mm-hmm. from what I'm aware of, they're not bringing back the original DuckTales team. So it sounds like they're going to go in a completely different route, even though the character was just utilized. You know, that's that's where it seems like uh, it's such a disservice because people are already committed to this world. And if you just mm-hmm. would continue the animation style and the, you know, a new creative team or that was built off of what, you know, was already established or had a respect for it, or you have those showrunners to pick up a new show, like, I think it could be something that would be really compelling for people to watch. But mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it seems like it's just going to go go down its own direction, most likely. And in a way, I feel like they could have gone much further with DuckTales had they quick had they more quickly moved it to Disney Plus because as streaming services are the way of the future and regular TV is kind of dying out that affects viewership and that's what they're looking at is viewership when meanwhile the online communities are like are all abuzz about the shows and I mean they have to always take that into account as well but unfortunately it seems like so many look at the viewership and it's like if they're not watching it on television then it doesn't matter but it's like if you if you move it over to Disney Plus you can manage it there and you can grow the base and you can have them binge watch and you can have them like you know plus when they're making all these series that are exclusive to Disney Plus where they're going to have multiple where you could have uh, multiple episodes made and you release them week by week, uh, you know, as they do with like Mandalorian and stuff like that. Uh, it makes it back and it turns it back into television, but it makes it in a way that now is becoming more and more accessible to people. Uh, mm-hmm. And and plus they can they can monitor. On, I feel like it'd be easier for them to monitor just their streaming services versus television and that's why they're they're dropping their their disney channels and stuff in different countries right now their disney uh, channels <laughs> yeah well I, yeah like disney you know when you think about like yeah, disney yeah. channel france disney mm-hmm. channel this and that you know it's like uh i think even so they're they're adding miraculous ladybug to disney plus at some point soon uh because it's already being broadcast on disney channel in other countries and i i can't remember if the States, maybe they did in the states as well, or that, or it was a different I channel. I think it was on way, Nickelodeon for the states. Yeah, that's not... yeah, and, but in other countries, it's on the Disney Channel, and so somehow they may have secured the rights where they were going to be able to have it exclusively on Disney Plus. Uh, so 
there's that and so more people can binge watch that kind of stuff there that's another one that's a that's actually a really good series to think about with uh with uh with theories and lore and stuff because as it keeps growing and growing uh as more and more you know uh as more charms and and more uh, uh miraculous are discovered and and their powers are, are being tampered with and stuff like that it's it's kind of like that's a that's actually a one i'd like to see if anybody wants to cover that is <laughs> miraculous lore <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah that's a series that i've seen referenced a few times in my comment section as request for <laughs> miraculous ladybug personally i i haven't seen much about the show uh, i haven't really gotten into it or seen started it or anything um and to reference back with your point of the weirdness of executives right now i i feel like there's this this weird thing where like on television all the value is how many concurrent people can you watch at specific times but then there's also this weirdness of you release shows at unconventional times and you don't market Mm -hmm. them but you still expect them to get viewers onto them and there's they're only viewed like one time it it really just seems archaic and i i can't believe really that they even put much value into viewership of cable anymore it seems like it should be scrapped (laughs) as as soon as possible (laughs) i i Um, agree yeah uh especially when they're doing making decisions about ducktales like or shows mm-hmm. like it where you have the second season on disney channel and then you send it back to disney xd where there's less subscribers to that channel mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. suddenly are hoping that it's going to be able to get anywhere near the viewership of the original um second season how do, like i don't understand how they think the show is possibly going to be able to succeed when the distribution is so horrible mm-hmm. I, it's it's astonishing that they're like oh of that's you know that's contributing to the reason we can't do a fourth season or do a spinoff or anything like that. Even though I think if it was heavily advertised all over Disney plus, uh, I think it would, I think it would do great. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like, it seems like it falls into the cycles of the executives at the time or at, you know, when these shows are airing, not, like losing faith and I'm just like, and just putting them on, you know, well, we'll just put it on XD and then they can actually cite the bad ratings as a reason for canceling it versus actually spending more money. Like maybe it's a, a not that it justifies it or anything, but maybe it's just like an exhaustion of like, okay, we put all this money in and this is what we're getting. And so this is the, this is the peak. This is the best we can do. So Maybe it's time to move on or something like that. That's the only rationalization I can think of that they're doing that. It's kind of scummy but and unfortunate. But again, hopefully with, you know, the different distribution methods. And same thing with theater movies, too. You know, it's a, a movies in theaters for, like, what, two months? And that kind of justifies whether it's good or not, generally, by mm-hmm. its grossing material. So... I don't know. I guess we'll just kind of see what happens. But again, it, we're moving into more positive directions. And with the um, rise of social media, too, um, fans have a bigger voice in those kind of things than just, you know, old snail mail back in the day and saving the shows via that way. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. interesting to witness all this and kind of see how 
the public is solely having a bigger impact on, you know, what the studios are making and how much they're making and, you know, all those things. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Disney Disney has had their long line of suppressing uh, media that they just don't believe in, like Treasure Planet and Atlantis and the, a lot of the films in the early 2000s that they just – I don't feel like they necessarily gave it a shot. Not necessarily that the films – were going to become as massive hits as the films that had come before them. It was a very experimental time, but a lot of times there's there was moments in the early 2000s and now with Disney Channel um, that it just seems like, yeah, they just kind of give up mm-hmm. <laughs> on um, franchises or what they're creating and just let it fade away. Yeah, yeah. And- Makes me so sad, too, because especially for the creative teams, that's just like, you know, they put so much work into these things and then just the, the network loses faith or something happens, you know, more more up the top where they lose focus and they want to focus on something else. Or there's a new branch of execs coming in, you know, all these things that just just dictate like the, the go and flow of things. And, you know, it just it, it just frustrates me. Like, who wants to be in that position where, you know, you work really hard on a show and then the network's like, hey. We're doing this now. See you later. And yeah, yeah. It, like it, it makes sense to give up on projects that aren't working, but it seems ludicrous to give up on something that has you haven't even put the effort into testing yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> um, um. I guess one final question I would have is: uh, What advice do you have for anybody that? wants to develop and showcase their own theory content because I think a huge thing for you, I know I can tell is where it comes from a place of passion where you got to be passionate about what you talk about. Otherwise people won't, people will see it. It's, it's, it's not as well grounded, but uh, what, what other advice might you have for, for anybody who wants to be able to kind of do what you can do? For sure. I would say that beyond passion, it's about finding your voice and then putting your voice into places where it can be absolutely amplified to the maximum degree. Uh, By that, what I mean is when I was starting off on YouTube as I kind of began and I started to have success in talking about Disney and that was something I was very passionate about and uh, what I did next was I doubled down and made more videos that were about Disney animation when uh, Disney theories were getting pushed heavily by YouTube that it was a very popular category with the rise of Pixar theory um Mm-hmm. And all of the other theories that were being built up around that, it was a really exciting time. Right now, if I was someone who was starting from zero and even is something I want to invest in more, is TikTok. Like if you have if you mm-hmm. have theories, the best place or really if you if you are passionate about anything right now one of the best places to talk about your passion is on TikTok because you're able to be exposed to so many more people and at that mm-hmm. point 
if you build an audience there, you can send them over to places like YouTube or a podcast or a blog or something like that, uh, depending on what, you know, if you want to monetize it or you want to create, you know, uh, something else outside of the platform. But it's really combining those two things of finding your passion and your voice, how you're going to deliver that. And that only comes by creating a bunch of things and then putting that voice into a platform that amplifies it to the to the most massive degree. And typically that means going and finding platforms or different types of content that are doing well right now. And you can't worry about what might happen in the future with the platform or the type of content, whether you think vertical video that's less than a minute is going to last forever or if it's just a fad right now. Regardless of that, there's an opportunity to gain an audience that cares about you and your passion. So mm -hmm. that would be what I would say is find a place that you can amplify your passion and your voice. No, absolutely. TikTok is enormous now and only continues to grow. And it really is like, in a, in a way, it's like the new and improved YouTube on a shorter, on a, like with a shorter time frame to work with for videos. But, mm -hmm. um, but being able to like share ideas and video content and even like I've seen you know, tons of animation being shared on, on TikTok as well. Like if you follow the chicken nugget uh, animations as well, those are really good. Um, the, uh, there's so much that you can share on there cooking. You know, there's, I've seen, I've seen tons of cooking tutorials and recipes on there. Uh, and then there, of course, there's actually, there's a little pocket of the theorists that actually do hang out there. So definitely, definitely utilize platforms like TikTok where you'd be able to, uh, like you said, share your ideas and, or at least flag, grow an audience and flag that audience to go to your YouTube channel or something like that. So it's like, it's, it's highly lucrative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, is I'm sure if you're getting into something like YouTube or social media and creating things that you're a, a very creative person and you want to be able to express yourself through the art, but there's also an element of you have to create art if you want, like if you want to be a full-time professional artist, there has to be an element of creating art that people want to see and you have to go where people actually are. And so being able to find a way to refine your vision to be feel native and authentic on the platform is something that um, really can allow you to stand out and mm -hmm. um, be able to accelerate your path to wherever you want to go um, a lot quicker. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really healthy advice because I think sometimes people get into the ruts as far as, you know, kind of going where they think things are going to happen and then getting frustrated when they're not being as savvy as um, they should be as far as branching out to different social medias and all that fun stuff. Like, we just mm -hmm. got a TikTok, like, what, two weeks ago to advertise the channel and that's that's going relatively well. So, um, you know, as well as just generally not you know, just focusing on what you're passionate about. And, you know, I think I, the advice I've always give people is like, I think the, the audience will come as long as you're smart about it, you know, as you know, and being passionate and your, your qualities there. But, um, you know, it's hard not to get, you know, 
too invested in the subscriber numbers and get depressed when something's happening or get really excited when something else is happening um, because that's putting a lot of emotional energy on like, you know, just total random numbers sometimes. But, but yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's, that's great advice. Yeah. That I think, I think that's a, a good point to uh, emphasize as well is like, you have to be insulated in whatever you're doing um, to the, to the point of, uh, not getting super excited when you hit like a thousand followers and not getting super depressed if you're only at a thousand followers. Like mm -hmm. it's, you just have to keep putting out the, the things that mean a lot to you and continuously try to bring value to people that are out there. And what that really just means is, Create something that's either informative, entertaining, fun. It, it's just about creating something that people will actually resonate with. And so just, yeah, just being out there um, is definitely puts you in the best position to succeed. And I think that's something that I've been trying to um, think about more than I've had conversations with, you know, my friends and family about is the idea of like, what would your ideal life look like? And taking the steps to try to get there and mm -hmm. that you have to be patient and it might not take um, a year. It could take 10 years to be on social media. But if your ideal like life contains that, that you would be able to talk about your passion and building up an audience, it's something worth um, being involved in and seeing if it's something that you actually would want to do uh, long term. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and the internet gives us a lot of like great opportunities and um you know and healthy avenues to channel our passions and i think you know my life has been a lot more fulfilled because i've been doing youtube and it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse because you get a lot of a lot of just more general negativity sometimes um as well but you also have you know much more immediate access to kind of be an be um, a leader to people versus just waiting until you're in the right place at the right industry um, traditionally. So um, it can be tricky, oh, yeah. be tricky mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I, that's, yeah, I, I've been feeling that too. Like I don't, I don't like sitting around and hoping that something will be able to come my way out of the blue really trying to take more actions to try to get to where I want to be. And mm -hmm. while, you know, everyone starts at different places in their lives. Um, it's, it's just about like, it, it, for the most part, you have to rely on yourself to get you to where you want to be. Um, you know, there, there'll be people around you that support you and care about you. Um, and you'll get help along the way for sure. But it's, for me, it's, you ha if you want to follow your dreams, you have to, um, make the decision to do that first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't, you can't just wait for, for nothing to happen essentially, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, Lauren, did you have any more questions? I think no, I'm, I, I think I'm good I on my end. questions answered. <laughs> Okay, um, Isaac, where can people follow you on um, on YouTube and the social medias? Yeah, um, 
definitely check out my YouTube channel. Uh, that's Isaac Carlson. And also, you know, TikTok and Instagram is a fun place to follow me too, uh, which are both at Mr. Isaac Carlson, uh, Mr. Isaac Carlson. And yeah, that all all a lot of discussions about Disney movies and theme parks. That's what I've been um, thinking about and caring about recently. And it's it's a fun place. I talk about fun topics for fun people. So if you if you want to hop in to the discussion um, and share your passion for Disney, I would I would encourage you to check out the work that I do. If you consider yourself a fun person, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people say, oh, I can't watch this. I'm not a fun person. I'm like, well, you're here. Like, you're watching the video. You must be pretty fun. Like, <laughs> so, you're, you're doing the first steps, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clicking on the video is a good first step. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then if you're new to the podcast, um, I think we're approaching 50 episodes soon. I haven't been keeping track. Or we're already there. Or something. I don't know. Whatever. Um, so you just go on a recording spree and then you just uh, you count I don't remember. And go I don't remember in the aftermath. <laughs> it's fine. So, um, you know, we're on um, YouTube um, at Animation Communication and then all the pod- the podcasting platforms that people like in case, um, you know, you don't want to listen to it on YouTube, which is fine. So Spotify and SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, we're released generally Wednesdays, um, 4 p.m. YouTube, 6 a.m. Eastern uh, the rest of the time. Unless we don't have a show, then you can watch tons of other shows like we got a lot at this point so Mm -hmm. um thanks again isaac um sorry that it took so long to to work this out but um i think we i think everyone had a good time from what i could tell so thanks for for coming and hanging out with us yeah thank you so much for joining us today (laughs) absolutely thanks for having me i i really appreciate it and i thought it was a a fun conversation about animation (laughs) (laughs) that's good hey what other podcast would we be able to to talk Lion Guard on a consistent basis, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're tangled for that matter. Before, besides Chris Sonnenberg, so mm-hmm. he doesn't count. He 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 worked on it. Like that's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, have a good day or night, everyone. Uh, see you next time on the podcast. Because metaphorically, I'm not seeing you, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Have a good any time of the day that you're listening to this. All right. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. We are really hoping this show makes a difference in how people view animation and media, as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like or want to join the animation or media industry. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe and rate those five stars, as well as tell your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our main YouTube channel, I Love Kim Possible A Lot, and turn those notifications on. My name is Scribbler, and you have been listening to Animation Communication.